Thank you, Pastor Rogers. It's a joy to be here. And uh, I learned a couple of things already this morning. Number one, I already voted. So I have the right to complain. That's awesome. I'm going to start complaining today because I've already voted. So uh, that's awesome. I'm glad I get to complain now. But uh, also, you know, Brother Tim mentioned uh, yesterday or the day before, days kind of go together there, but uh, he talked about how his, his dad said that, that he was good, but Megan was great. So I just learned that all I can produce is good, because I never had anything to do with Megan. So uh, if you're expecting great things today, it's hopeless. Uh, all you're going to get is the good, right? Okay, so John chapter 10, John chapter 10, and I could certainly add my thanks. And I know every man that was here would want to stand here this morning and thank you as a church for your gracious hospitality and just servant's heart over these last couple of days. And even if you weren't here, I know that many of you were praying for the, for the conference and invested in it even before it came about through prayer and, and uh, those kinds of things. And so uh, only eternity really will reveal what took place. But I'm sure that in the days ahead, you will hear of some wonderful things uh, as a result of, of the meeting uh, this year. And thank the Lord for it. Thank you for hosting it, giving up your building uh, to these men. And, and uh, there's an abuse that takes place uh, not only on buildings, but on, on people's health uh, when you have a conference like that. And so thank you for your sacrifice. And most importantly, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you've showed toward his name. And he will honor and bless you. John chapter 10, and let's begin to read with verse 22, and we'll read down to verse 31. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. The relationship between a shepherd and his sheep is a beautiful picture of the unique relationship of Christ and we, his people. A number of years ago, we held a meeting in Ontario, Wisconsin. The pastor is Mike Jeffley. Mike was... Uh, raised in the town of Ontario. His dad was a farmer. They were Lutherans in their religious uh, background, but really didn't go to church much. And so Mike grew up in public school and never really went to church a lot except on special occasions like Christmas or Easter. But during his high school years, Mike went to a wrestling camp, and it was there that he heard the gospel and was wonderfully saved. He went back home, and he tried to find a church that would preach the Bible and he had to travel about 30 miles to a, another town to attend such a church. But it was there that he began to get rooted in the Bible and God's will for his life. And 
upon graduation from high school, decided to go to a Bible college. His first year in Bible college, God called him to preach. And over those next three years, God impressed upon Mike's heart to go back to the little city of Ontario, just 300 people, just a small uh, farming Amish community. And uh, his goal was to plant a church. And if nothing else would happen, he wanted to see his family get saved. So Mike graduated, went back to Ontario and planted the Faith Baptist Church. He called us and said, would you come for revival? Well, I was pulling a trailer in those days with my family, had two children. John was about eight. Melinda was five. And uh, we pulled into this house on the edge of town, a three-story house. And they had taken the bottom floor and made it into an auditorium, the upstairs rooms into nurseries and office and things of that nature. And so we pulled in and we sat down with Pastor Jeffley that Saturday night and began to go through some of the events of the week. And he said, now, Brother Getch, we're a real small congregation. We have about 20 people. And he said, uh, they can't pay me a salary yet. He said, so my dad, uh, who was not a Christian, uh, he was uh, a farmer there in, in the edge of town. He said, my dad has given me some land. And there's a little house on it that we've tried to fix up to live in. And he said, I'm raising sheep. That's how I'm making my living. He said, I have 100 sheep. And as he's telling me this, he said, uh, I-, I want you to come out and see my sheep. Well, I was raised on a farm in Wisconsin, and, and I-, I was around animals as a kid, and, you know, cows and pigs and sheep and chickens and all those kinds of things we had on our farm, and I didn't get too excited about it. Uh, but... Uh, you know, the next day came and Sunday and we had the morning services and afterwards they had a little, a little meal there for everybody to enjoy and we sat down and enjoyed that and as people were beginning to leave, the pastor came over to the table where my wife and I and our children were sitting and he said, uh, you're coming over, right? I said, coming over? He said, yeah, to see the sheep. I said, pastor, it's Sunday. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think we'll come today. I mean, Sunday afternoon is good for one thing, right? Taking a nap. <laughs> and, and so I said, I, I don't think we'll come today. Oh, he said, you got to come today. It's a beautiful day. And I want you to see my sheep. And he, and he looks at my kids. You know, John's eight. Melinda's five. He said, you want to see the sheep, right? And they're like, yeah. I said, okay, well, we, we, better, we better change clothes. I've been raised on a farm. I know what's going on out there. I said, I, I think we better, we better change clothes before we come. And he said, okay, you go out to the trailer, change clothes. He said, I'll run my family home, and I'll be back in 10 minutes to get you. So we went out to the trailer. We changed into some casual attire, and, we, and, and sure enough, 10 minutes later, here he comes. He comes into that parking lot in a, in a pickup truck, an old beat-up pickup truck, one seat, so he and I, my wife, and two kids pile into this pickup truck. Now, we pull out of this driveway onto a dirt road. This road had potholes the size of Sacramento. I mean, I, I am bouncing around in that front of that pickup truck, truck, hitting my head on the ceiling, bumping into the pasture, into my kids, and I'm not happy. I'm missing my nap. I'm going out to see lousy sheep, and I, I'm just in a bad mood. But when we turned left into the driveway, after about two miles down that dirt road, we turned left into a driveway. And to the left, as we pulled in, was what he called his house. Now, it was pretty rough. It, was, it, it needed paint. It, the outside was, was pretty rough. Now, they had fixed up the inside, and, and, and it wasn't bad. But, but, but there was this kind of dilapidated house. But over here to the right of that driveway, 
was a pasture. And this pasture was probably about 50 acres of lush green grass, and it went up to a tree line about 500 feet up. So it's kind of this hillside of green lush grass and dotted all over that pasture were these 100 sheep grazing. It was one of the most peaceful, surreal things I'd ever seen in my life, and my, med- my attitude immediately changed. We, we got out of that truck, and we're, we walked down to the fence line, and the pastor is beginning to talk about raising these sheep and telling us some things about it. And, and uh, in the course of that, he said, would you like to see the sheep up close? Well, sure. So he cupped his hands, and he yells up that hillside, come, sheep. I thought, well, now that's original. I mean, most people can whistle or something, you know. But as soon as he said those two words, every one of those sheep in unison lifted their head from their eating. They looked at the pasture, and they began to run to where we were standing. Now these 100 sheep are all milling around, and the pasture is is refreshing their water. He's putting some feet in the troughs as he's telling us about these sheep. And over the course of the next uh, 30 minutes or so, he's, he's telling us what a joy it is to care for these sheep and how it's similar to caring for the people of the church. And, and he's just going on and on. Well, after a while, the sheep began to kind of drift back up onto the hillside. And we went into the house and enjoyed some fellowship during the afternoon hours. Pretty soon it was about 4 o'clock. And I said, Pastor, we better get back to the, to the trailer and get cleaned up, ready for church tonight. And and uh, so we, we probably should be going. And so we stood up and we went outside onto the porch of that house. And now by this time, all the sheep were back on that hillside grazing. And we were saying our goodbyes and, and uh, he was going to run us over to the church. So we were saying goodbye to his kids and his wife and, and my daughter, Melinda, she's five years old. She said, Dad, do you think I could call the sheep? I said, well, I don't know if the pastor wants them to run all the way back down here again. Well, she looked at the pastor with her big brown eyes, and, and uh, he looked at her, and he said, sure, call him. So she looked at me, and I nodded. She stepped forward on that porch, and she cupped her tiny little five-year-old hands over her mouth like this, and she, in her squeaky little voice, yelled, come, sheep. And nothing happened. And she was so disappointed. So she looked at her big brother, John. He's eight. She said, John, you call him. Well, John looked at the pastor and me, and we nodded. He stepped forward. He cupped his hands, and he had a much stronger voice than his little sister. And he yelled up that hillside, come, sheep. Nothing happened. Well, now they're both disappointed. And so they looked at me, and they said, Dad, you call him. You were raised on a farm. You know how to do it. Okay. I stepped forward. I had memorized the line. (laughs) With every mimicking syllable I could muster as the pastor, I yelled, Come, sheep! One old ram lifted his head, looked down at us. You could read his mind. Stupid tourists. (laughs) By this time, the pastor's rolling on on the porch in laughter and We finally convinced him to call the sheep a second time. And as soon as he lifted his voice, those sheep began to run to the fence line. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. 
and they follow me. Are you in tune with the shepherd this morning? Or does God seem a little distant? Does God's voice seem muffled? How in tune are we with the voice of the shepherd? I want you to see three unique aspects to this picture of a shepherd and his sheep that is likened to our relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. First of all, I see a recognition. In verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. Now, there are a lot of voices out there today, are there not? Boy, there are a lot of people trying to get our attention. There are a lot of people calling out to us and saying, hey, follow me. I'm an influencer on social media. Or there's an advertiser that says, come and buy at my store, you know. And there are political candidates. We are being bombarded, of course, with their final message to us and vote for me. And there are all kinds of voices, religiously and politically and socially. And there are just voices everywhere that we turn our ear. But this is a distinct voice. Some voices are loud. Some voices are persuasive. Some voices are very charming. Some are very persuasive. But the shepherd's voice is a distinct voice. When Jesus preached in John chapter 7, they said, Never man spake like this man. In Matthew 7, following the Sermon on the Mount, they said, He he speaketh as one that hath authority and not as the scribes. It is a distinct voice, but it is also a devoted voice. If you look at verse number 25, it says, I give, I'm sorry, in verse 25, he says, I told you and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Jesus had come to this earth, why? To seek and to save that which was lost. He was on a mission from his Father to to save the lost. It is a devoted voice. No human shepherd has the resources that this shepherd has. No one has the power that he had. No one will rise to a place of authority like he has risen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, which was, and which is to come. The kingdom of God is not word, but in power. This was a distinct voice. It was a devoted voice, but notice also it is a divine voice. Did you notice it in verse 30? I and my Father are one. This is God's voice. This is not the mere voice of the president. This is not the mere voice of the governor. This is not the mere voice of some politician running for office. This is not the voice of J.C. Penney or Macy's or whatever else is out there. This is the voice of God himself, a divine voice, a voice that we dare not turn a deaf ear to. So we see a recognition. But then notice, secondly, a relationship. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. It was really interesting that day as we stood there at that fence line, and Pastor Jeffley was feeding those sheep and 
refreshing their water, he began to tell us a story about every one of them. Now, to me, sheep all look alike. I mean, they're the same color. They have four legs. They have a face with a nose, some eyes and ears and a mouth. I mean, sheep are not all that distinctive one from another. They, they all look pretty much alike, but not to that shepherd. He began to point to one and say, see that one right there? That was a stray. Just walked onto my property one day. I called all the neighbors to see who it belonged to. No one claimed it. So there she is. He, he pointed another. See that one there? She had twins this spring. One of the lambs almost died. That's her lamb right there that I had to bring into the house and feed for three days and nourish it back to life. Amazing. Every one of these sheep, he's telling us a story about their life. You see, the shepherd knows the sheep. God knows his sheep, and it is a singular relationship. My sheep, my voice. God isn't an add-on to everything else in our life. He is our life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is not a last resort. He's not a first resort. He is the only resort. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There's none upon the earth that I desire besides thee. We are complete in him. He is our all and in all. It is a singular relationship. It is a sacrificial relationship. Look up at verse number 11, if you will, in this chapter. As earlier, it says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is in hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is in hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. No presidential candidate has ever done that for you. Nobody on the ballot on Tuesday has ever done that for us. No one in the stores trying to get our money has never done that for us. You see, he is the only one that was sacrificial in this relationship. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now in Christ Jesus, you who are sometime afar off are made nigh. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. A sacrificial relationship. He died for us. But it is a secure relationship. Did you notice verse 28? He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Oh, all of our human relationships are very fragile. They're very fickle. And oftentimes they fade and fail. Even marriages fail. Friendships are broken apart. Our relationships on earth in this life are very fragile. They're very, fade. They're very fickle. 
but the relationship with this shepherd is eternal. I, I am the bread of life, Jesus said. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. And he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I love the words of Paul where he said, I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. We see a recognition. His voice is distinct. It is a devoted voice. It is a divine voice. We see a relationship, a relationship that is is secure. In Jesus Christ. But then we see a responsibility. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, notice it carefully. Jesus didn't say, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and I wish they'd follow me. He didn't say, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they could follow me. He said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. We could deduce from that verse that if you're not following, you're not a sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So if you're not following, not a sheep. You see, there's a keen awareness here. Go back up to verse number four of chapter 10. It says, when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Who are you following? Are you following Christ? Or are you following a stranger? The Bible says a sheep will not follow a stranger. Just as as those sheep would not respond to my daughter's voice or my son's voice or my voice, they only responded to the shepherd's voice. We may as well not even called. They weren't listening. And yet today we find ourselves in tune with the world. We're in tune with the advertisements. We're in tune with the politicians. We're in tune with everything going on around us in the world. But are we in tune with him? There was a keen awareness of his voice. Oh, listen, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. The Bible says to this, uh, 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 to this end was I... Uh, born and for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. A keen awareness. But notice this key authenticity. They follow me. They follow me. You say, Brother Gadge, I don't. I, I think that's kind of mean to say that somebody that's not following the Lord is not a sheep. Well, let's hear the words of John in First John chapter two. And verse 3, he said, hereby we do know that we know him. In other words, here's how we know we're saved. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, 
and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. People say, well, I'm saved, but I don't need to go to church. Really? He commanded us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Well, I'm saved, but I, I, I don't need to pray. Well, really? He said, I would that men pray everywhere. Well, I, I'm saved, but I, 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 don't, I, I don't need to witness. Well, really? He said, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. See, we make these excuses. We rationalize our disobedience. And God says, hey, if you're not obeying, if you love me, keep my commandments. You're my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you. I was preaching in Plainfield, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. The church was a very old building. In fact, it was a historical marker there in the city of Plainfield because of its age. It's over 125 years old, the building was. Beautiful uh, old clapboard building with a steeple and the whole nine yards bell in the steeple, you know. And uh, this building was remarkable in many ways, but the inside was uh, very well kept. And, and, uh, but it had a balcony, and, and they, but they didn't use it. It was, it was roped off at the bottom. No one was allowed to go up the stairs. And when you stood on the platform, there were no seats up there. There was no sound equipment. There was nothing up there. It was just open, vacant. Underneath the balcony on the main floor, there were some tables and chairs, some library bookshelves with books on it and on them. And, and, and it, it looked like maybe it had been used for a Sunday school classroom at one time or, or perhaps a library, church library or bookstore. But it was, it, 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 there, was, there was furniture there, but it was roped off. So you weren't supposed to go in there. You weren't supposed to go back there. They didn't need it for seating. Well, there was a man that attended that church faithfully. He was 91 years old, and he came to every service. I was there from Sunday through Friday. He came every service. And he would walk to church. He only lived two blocks away. But it was, it was difficult to watch him walk. He had arthritis terribly. And he'd walk with two canes. And people would, would say, hey, I can pick you up. Nope, nope, I walk to church. He was just one of those men. He said, I'm going to walk to church. And, and, and it was painful to watch him because you could just tell the arthritis was so difficult for him. But he would walk every night to that church. And he'd walk in the door. And he would go immediately to underneath that, that balcony. And he would move the rope. And he'd go in there and sit where you weren't supposed to sit. And the first time he did it, I thought, that old guy, nobody's going to tell him anything. I mean, he's 91, he's walking to church, and, and he's probably been here his whole life, and he's not going to be told where you can sit and don't sit. And I, I kind of loved it, you know, that rebellious spirit in the old man. <laughs> but I was soon to learn that he did not sit back there because he was rebellious. His arthritis was so bad that if he didn't stand up a time or two during the preaching, he would just kind of lock up. I mean, if he just stayed seated for an hour, he wasn't going to get up. And so he had to move. And so every seven minutes, I mean, almost to the T, every seven minutes, he would stand up. And, and he would kind of, you know, stretch his arms a little bit. And he'd kind of shake out his legs a little bit. And then he'd sit back down. And uh, it was kind of fun for me because I knew exactly how long I was preaching by how many times he stood up. I mean, it was every seven minutes, the guy would stand up and just kind of shake out a little bit, and, and they'd sit back down. Well, one night, I think it was Tuesday night, I was preaching on John 10, 
and these verses here, verse 27. And I was preaching about the sheep and the shepherd. And toward the end, I said, are you a sheep this evening? In other words, I just said, if you're a sheep, you're following. If you're not following, you're not a sheep. And I said, are you a sheep this evening? And I paused. It's a rhetorical question. I want you to answer it in your mind, right? And so I paused to give you a chance to think. I said, are you a sheep this evening? And as soon as I did, he started getting out of his chair. And I thought, wait a minute, you were just up. He wasn't up more than 30 seconds before that. I said, it hasn't been seven minutes. Sit down. <laughs> but he's getting out of his chair. And, 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 and he took one of his canes and he put it over his head like this. And he got one foot off the ground like this. And he said, or are you a goat? <laughs> and he sat back down. And everybody laughed and I got to laughing. And then I noticed some people weren't laughing. And I said, sir, I'm glad you said that, not me. I think we got some goats here. You say, Brother Getch, that's a little harsh. Well, can I tell you that one day it's going to be very important whether you are a sheep or a goat. Because according to Matthew chapter 25, God is one day going to gather before him all the nations. And he's going to separate them, the one from the other, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he will set his sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then he'll say to them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom of God prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then shall he say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. These shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal. Are you a sheep? Or are you a goat? Oh, listen, you don't have to remain a goat. You can be wonderfully saved today. You can come to know this shepherd who loved you enough to die for you. And you can learn his voice and follow him. And Christian, if we're truly a sheep, whose voice are we hearing? Whose voice are we obeying? Are we obeying the voice of the shepherd today? Or are we just being enamored and pulled away by all the voices around us? Oh, may this Sunday morning, this Lord's day, we get back in tune with the shepherd. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, thank you for this wonderful relationship that we enjoy as your people. Lord, even as David of old, be able to write, the Lord is my shepherd. What a powerful claim that we can claim today. Lord, I pray if there's someone listening today, either here in person or by way of a live stream or recorded message, that does not know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray today they would come to know this shepherd. Lord, you, you love them and you want them in the relationship that you've provided for them through your death, burial, and resurrection. And so, Lord, draw them unto yourself. And then, Lord, many of us in this room, we are saved. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet, Lord, we're prone to wander as a sheep. We're prone to, to leave the one that we love. 
We're prone to go astray like a sheep. Lord, I pray today that we'd hear your voice and we'd say, wait a minute, I got to get back to the shepherd. Work in our hearts today. And we'll thank you. As our heads are bowed and eyes